and welcome to episode number 23 of Glass City Game Time, still one of America's great sports podcasts, brought to you by The Blade. My name is Corey Christen, and thanks for listening, and again, thank you for sticking with us during this coronavirus outbreak that we're all affected by and we're all dealing with here at The Blade. The show must go on, and we're keeping on, and this week we keep on as we bring in Blade sports writer Nick Petrovich. Nick, also working from home, how's everything been going your way? Not bad, not bad. I uh, I can prepare the uh, dinners that take like six or seven hours, so I get to check on that in between work. It's not bad. Okay, so let's let's start there then. What's going on in the slow cooker? What do you got going in the roaster? What's on the menu at the Petrovich house? Um, I got some tacos today. I, I often do carnitas in the uh, the slow cooker, and then I'll transfer it to the cast iron pan a little later. That's nice. Do it that way. Start it slow and then finish it off with just a little zap. I like that. I did pulled chicken the other day, and it turned out pretty well. So I as well am trying to channel my inner Gordon Ramsay through this. You know, you got to try to make lemonade out of the lemons we're being dealt with right now. So... That's good. Plus, uh, we have animal-friendly co-workers. Yeah, no doubt. So, Nick is here with me. Well, here meaning over this Skype call that we're doing the podcast through now. Hopefully, those of you listening in are continuing to maintain the protocols and maintaining social distancing and just trying to do your part, as we all are, to uh, try to get through this as best as we can. But the show must go on, as I said. So, Nick, we're going to talk some BG men's hoops today. And... On Sunday, one of the more interesting sports news nuggets that's hit us non-coronavirus related over the last couple of months here in the Toledo area is that Bowling Green guard Justin Turner entered the transfer portal. And let's be clear, first off the bat, that this doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to leave Bowling Green. It's a simple, he wants to explore other options. And... Nick, in your piece that was published in Wednesday's edition of The Blade, you basically outlined, you know, what's next for Bowling Green? What can we look forward to in 2020 and 2021? And starting off with Justin Turner, he is, there's three scholarship seniors that are leaving, including Dylan Fry. And then you look at Turner, who's in the transfer portal. So there could be a big paradigm shift with Bowling Green, or there could be just a slight one. Depends on what happens with Turner. No doubt it sounds like Turner is going to be that big domino that's going to fall within the next few months here uh, leading up until the start of the next regular season. Yeah, that's going to be the the critical juncture for what comes next at BG because if he comes back, I think it's plausible that they are picked first or second in the league again. If he comes back, you have potential player of the year. You have your clear best player. You have your leading scorer back. If not, they pretty much undergo a whole youth movement. Um, Right now, the oldest guard they have on the team is Davin Ziegler, who was a true freshman last year. They have two really good guards coming in. um, And then if Turner were indeed to stay in the transfer portal and then lock on with a different program, they have a free scholarship. The problem with that now is nobody has any idea what's going to happen next in terms of recruiting for most coaches um this is a really important time because a lot of coaches go to the final four they have a a huge meeting there every year and then that's kind of the unofficial start of uh the off season where coaches are talking to other programs um if they are candidates for another job that kind of leads to the 
the coaching carousel. Um, they're trying to plug gaps with either seniors who are unsigned or JUCO guys or grad transfers, regular transfers themselves. Everyone is trying to piece together that roster. And now really nobody knows what's going to happen next. So if Turner comes back, I think it's very likely that BG is going to be viewed as a contender again. They're going to have some work to do if not. And if let's say for the sake of conversation that Turner is gone and pick a program arbitrary, really it doesn't matter in the end if he does leave. But let's start with the recruiting class because here in Toledo, we know of Josiah Fulcher from Lima Senior, track player of the year, likely one of the best shooters on the team, you know, coming in. You look at Cam Young, who's coming in uh, from Philadelphia. So there are options to replace Turner. Not to say that there isn't bodies or aren't bodies coming to replace or to refill that depth for Michael Huger, but it'll be an interesting, like I said, pa- uh, paradigm shift if, in fact, Turner does leave and you bring these young guards in. You have so much you don't have to worry about when you have a kid like Turner because if you're in a tight situation, if someone is trying to heat you up with the press, uh, if things aren't going right, if you really need a bucket, they always can just usually dump the ball to Justin and he can get them a bucket. And he's one of the type of players that if he gets going, the other team knows you're probably in for a long night. I mean, I can think of a couple games um, in particular that he just completely took over or and even games when he wasn't shooting particularly well. Like uh, when they played Ohio, he was like one of 11 or something like that. And he still sticks a 20 footer uh, to go down one from to up one, you know, in the final 10 seconds. So there's a huge disconnect between what you have now and what you don't know about what you have coming in. I will say that they do think um, Ziegler in particular is probably the best athlete on the team. That kid has a crazy vertical. Just from having watched a lot of uh, Bowling Green practice, I heard Huger told me his, his vertical is like 45 or 6 or something crazy like that. He's a tremendous athlete. He's still trying to iron out the shot. But in terms of guards next year, the way that they will play if they do not have Turner will be significantly different. Well, how about this, too? You bring in Caden Matheny, you bring in Fulcher, you bring in Cam Young as recruits, and you couple them with Ziegler and Caleb Fields. Ziegler and Fields are excellent defenders, and you bring in these three scoring guards, so maybe there's a mix that Huger can figure out with those five players. Even if Turner doesn't come back, as you say, there's not an issue of bodies being there. It's just how to kind of plug those into the right places. And yeah, again, with Turner's scoring ability, that's something different in itself. But they'll at least have different molds to a lineup that he can figure out. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, when I said earlier that the oldest guard they have on the team is Ziggler, the, that's the oldest point guard in particular. Fields is probably going to continue to play off the ball. I think likely right now Ziggler is your point guard for next year with what you know now. With um, Matheny, who's really was a really gifted offensive player, he's a little undersized. He's like 5'11". So we'll see where he's at defensively because a lot of times uh, undersized freshmen, you can get exposed a little bit on defense. So if he if he's ready to guard the ball, though, I think he's going to play. But uh, what they have right now, they're a terrific defensive perimeter team. Um, they're probably going to need some work just finding extra points. The reality is with you have Fry and Turner going out the door. That's a lot of points and a lot of big buckets that just walked out. If uh, Turner does indeed stay in the portal. 
And, and mentioning Dylan Fry, the program's all-time leading three-point shooter, is there a player that's either coming in or on the roster right now who maybe could fill in as that three-point specialist or could step outside and get a bucket when needed? Yeah, Trey Diggs, I think, is that guy. He actually led the team in three-point percentage this year anyway. Fry, I mean, was had the, of course, had the two-week stretch where he was like temporarily off the team. He didn't have a particularly great shooting year compared to what he had done previously. But I think Diggs is they're going to be their best shooter. Josiah Fulcher's coming in, has a really nice three-point shot. Matheny can shoot the three as well. But other than that, um, they have some guys that have shown flashes of it for sure. They're two big guys. Taylor Matos and uh, Matisse Kulaskovkas both have the ability to make threes. Plowden can step out a little bit. Uh, so they should be a fairly good shooting team. But I don't think they're going to have maybe necessarily the depth they had this year where they pretty comfortably went 10 deep. They're a team that in 2020 and 2021 and even beyond – could be one of those teams that operates from the inside out, and they have that option to do so with Daquan Plowden, who is an all-MAC player, second team as a junior. He had 12.7 points, 8.5 rebounds a game, and he has another another summer to prepare, and he could be player of the year in the MAC next year. Yeah, he's got player of the year potential for sure. I mean, the the leaps that he's made in the past couple of years have been really drastic. I mean, he went from – as a freshman, he's just kind of a guy. Sophomore year, the lineup takes off when they put him and Caleb Fields into the lineup. Um, and then I, the light bulb really came on for him during the MAC tournament last year when he was a sophomore. I, he was so aggressive. The, he was confident in his three-point shot. He was making a difference defensively. And then this year, again, um, he turns into one of the best players in the league. So in the event that uh, Turner is gone – I think Plowden is probably going to be their their best player by a fairly uh, significant margin. He's a a double-double candidate every night, and I think if he takes another step forward, he's going to be the type of guy that is really valuable in modern-day basketball because he's positionless. I mean, they trust him right now to guard. He can guard one through five in the MAC. Uh, There aren't a ton of huge centers in the MAC. He's not out of place anywhere. And if you can play him pretty much anywhere in that 24-foot box, you can really bother people defensively. And he's got that type of potential. We've talked a lot about Justin Turner, but how about the other Turner, Chandler Turner, who played a little bit as a freshman, but could really start to see an uptick in not just minutes, but we could see a lot more of him as far as production is concerned uh, in his sophomore year coming into this year. Yeah, the funny thing is, not only does he have the same last name as Justin Turner, he went to the same high school and uh, was also the Detroit Public League Player of the Year. Uh, they are not related, as a matter of fact, but they uh, they, had, they came from the same place. Chandler Turner, that is, didn't play a ton as a freshman. He played a little bit. I think defensively they want him to be in – they wanted him to get in the weight room this year uh, to be a little bit stronger so he can probably guard fours and fives in the future. He's tall. He's got a really dynamic offensive skill set, though, where he can stretch the floor a little bit. So if he comes up through this offseason and, and he's ready come November uh, to be a college defender, as Michael Huger likes to say, he's a guy I think that's definitely going to play. You talked about Matisse Kulakovsky's Apologies. That's if not I bad. That. That's, you're like 90% of the way there. It's, it's okay. a doozy. We'll take it. 
6'11", can kind of be that stretch forward if you need him, I would suppose. But a name that maybe not a lot of fans know about quite yet. What can you tell us more about him? He came into a few games and completely changed them. And then he had others where his his just his minutes weren't consistent. He's 6'11". He can shoot. He can handle the ball a little bit. And he can pass. Um, they need him to be able to, I think, be at his best. They need him to be able to guard inside of six feet consistently. But he, I mean, he has flashes where, and you should see some of the stuff that he does in practice, where it's like, if they get this guy going, he's the type of player that can completely wreck a game plan. And I look at a guy at Ball State, like Tajay Teague, who is 6'9 and could stretch the floor a little bit and was an all-mac guy this year. I think Matisse has the ability to have that type of skill set. If his defense comes along next year as a senior, if he has a breakout year, I think he has huge, huge untapped potential he had a knee injury at BG, and they started to see a little bit of what they really liked in high school, which is uh, which is that stretch five ability. You look at him and then Taylor Matos down low. Uh, Matos started 30 or 31 games as a sophomore. You look at Dylan Swingle. So the point is with Bowling Green, they may be losing some of that star potential uh, in the backcourt, but on the front court at least, they're going to have some players returning back that could really, again, with Michael Huger, depending on Turner, I guess, he could build the team inside out or outside in. And I think if you have that consistency with Matos starting again, now coming in as a junior, he could definitely continue to grow and, you know, become more comfortable in the paint and working around the basket. Yeah, they certainly want more post-scoring from them. And they, they missed that a little bit from DiMaggio Wiggins, who had graduated the underrated thing about Wiggins is that he just drew so many fouls and it's like you constantly look up and it's like 11 minutes to go in the half and BG's already approaching the bonus. And I always say that there's a reason that James Harden scores 30 points in 918 and it's the free throw line. And it, it was really, really valuable to have a big guy that's consistently getting you to the line or getting other teams in the bonus. So if they can increase their post scoring a little bit, I think it's going to make things interesting because their best lineups this year were small, where I thought they could go four guards and then play Plowden at the five. And if they have the type of development I think they would like, I think next year their best lineups might be big. And you know what? This year a lot they ran a lot of small lineups. If you look in terms of field goal percentage throughout the league, Bowling Green was 11th in the conference. So that shows quite a bit of outside shooting, quite a bit of shots outside of the paint. And I'm, I'm not looking to just improve a number here, but – if Huger wants to build the offense starting inside, you'll start to see players like Matos and you'll see Plowden work more inside and you'll see a guy like Chandler Turner kind of play a little bit inside and out and Trey Diggs can go outside if he needs to. So these forwards, again, really could be the driving force for Bowling Green next year to make him that contender. Yeah, and the word football coaches like to use is multiple. I think BG will have that potential where they've recruited quite a few guys that uh, allow them to mold lineups and I think that was probably their best asset in 1920 was that they could legitimately if they said all right we don't like this lineup we trust the next one just as much so they had a lot of that Uh, they have a ways to go I think losing the ball handling that they could potentially be losing especially with Lasser was a really good passer I mean Fry was a primary ball handler Turner could be a primary ball handler that's a lot. Uh, that's probably going to, that's the biggest question that I would have going into the off season. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Justin Turner again, could be that big domino that falls and really could shift exactly what Huger is going to build 
for the uh, foreseeable future here. Is there any word on Turner, whether schools are looking at him, who's looking at him? Is there anything you could disclose with that? Uh, I can tell you that it feels like about half the Division I basketball programs in the country have contacted him. He's he's heard from, within an hour, he had heard from, you know, like 20 schools. There's going to be some really, really high majors who are in on him. I think if he would go anywhere that's not BG, I think it would probably be one of the, the Blue Blood schools or someone in the Big Ten. He's a Detroit guy, so I think if the – Michigan schools are making a really heavy push for him and they can tell him that, you know, Hey, you're going to be, you know, maybe our best second best player next year. You're going to be a primary ball handler. I think he's really got to consider it. However, BG probably has the one thing that no one else can offer him where they can guarantee that, you know, he's going to play 34 minutes a night. He's going to be the best player. He's going to be the man and it's familiarity. We'll see what happens. That's going to be a big storyline to watch here in the summer and, especially with the uh, coronavirus pandemic going around. You know, things are kind of moving a little slower, but things are still moving. So that could be one of the bigger news nuggets that we see throughout the summer here. Nick, you got any final thoughts before we get you out of here? No, stay healthy, stay safe. And uh, I don't know, let's meet at the football tailgates when we're uh, on the other end of this. Ooh, I'm hoping. that's People are starting, I feel like, to get a little nervous about football season. And... I jokingly said it a couple weeks ago that if this rolled into football season or if this started a football season, people would be way worse off than they are now. Yeah, probably. I I miss I, the, I'll miss the playoffs. Uh, I miss the playoffs for now because this is like my favorite time of year. But hopefully uh, in the next uh, six to eight weeks or so, we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm hoping so, too. You know, we're seeing it overseas with, with a couple countries that are starting to come out on the other side of it, and they're seeing that light, so... You know, just stick with it. Uh, those that are listening in, stay safe, do your part, wash your hands, stay socially distanced, be careful. That, that's all we can really say at this point. You know, it's it's a long road and we're all riding on it together. Nick, thanks for the time today. We'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Those of you listening in, if you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing. You can find us on any medium that podcasts are found, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play, and you can find us on ToledoBlade.com and on Blade News Slide. Again, leave us a like rating. We always appreciate that. And as for right now, we are signing off. We'll talk to you next week. For Nick Petrovich, my name is Corey Crisson. This has been Episode 23 of Glass City Game Time. <laughs>